Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Chop. 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 I yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the little um, girl. Today. The little, the, the daughter. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah I know. Or the, the guy's chopping, there's an axe, there's, yeah. you know, there's there's stuff going on. Today we are reviewing Sherry Springer Berman's and Robert Pulsini's Things Heard and Seen, starring Amanda Seafried, a uh, recent Oscar nominee, Amanda Seafried. Uh, uh, I say Freed, okay? She says Fred, uh, and she literally just posted on Instagram. Saying, that, please that, say my name, right? Yeah. Okay, Amanda C. Fred and James Norton, uh, Na- uh, Natalia Dyer, uh, Reese Horn, um, Karen F. Allen, Abraham, Michael o- uh, O'Keefe. The cast yeah. is stacked. <laughs> oh, yeah, just stacked. All the James Norton fans out there uh, will just be thrilled. Uh, Amanda C. Fred. Amanda yes. C. Fred. Eric, how you doing? I'm good. I'm I'm seeing Fred right now. <laughs> See, you get you say I say Freed because you know that's well, how it's spelled. It's spelled right? that but way, then, right? But then yeah. like it's it's you know, it's not the right pronunciation, but we've been saying it for so long that way. But you also, also want to be respectable or respected to the the you know the actual person then well, of course i know i as someone whose fiance um uh gets their name you know, misspoken quite frequently. I know how annoying that can be for someone, especially if you tell someone over and over again, hey, it's pronounced this way, and you keep saying, you know, knives. My fiance's name is Nevis. Um, if you didn't know, Eric. Um, nope. I had no <laughs> idea. Um, Eric, it is a Friday. It is the day of release. I was calling her Ashley the whole time. It was weird. No, I don't. I, I, did you know I've dated multiple Ashleys in the past? Or was I, that just I think so, ass? but it was something that okay. kind of like was in the back of my head. But I didn't mean to bring up Ashley. I was thinking it was of like an ongoing. It was like an ongoing thing because like I had two girlfriends in a row named Ashley <laughs> right before Nevis. So anyway, um. <laughs> Things heard and seen. Eric, take it away. What the hell is this movie? Yeah, so this is kind of a classic attempt at creating a uh, gothic neo-noir set within uh, sort of this 18th century, late 18th century house where you follow a young uh, couple who move from New York to upstate in a kind of more rural uh, area, sort of isolated. It's a small farming community. Um, And then from there, you know, you kind of learn that uh, James Norton's character, George Clare, uh, is this uh, new sort of, he has, he just completed his PhD. He has taken a new uh, teaching gig uh, at the local college for art theory. Um, Seafred's uh, character, uh, Catherine and or Kathy, as she's known throughout, um, is also uh, sort of an art major and worked in restorations before the move and was very successful uh, back in the city, um, but sort of decides to compromise and, you know, move out and, and, and go to this kind of small uh, area to give him a chance to kind of start his career up. Um, and she slowly but surely discovers that, uh, this house that they've just um, purchased 
is has a very disturbing history, uh, whether it comes to uh, murders or uh, the supernatural. And there's a whole aspect of seances and potentially um, sort of dark twists and turns with the character dynamics and how uh, not at all is what it seems. And, you know, once we get to the end of this movie, um, it kind of plays out in a very conventional manner. You were texting me uh, before uh, I had seen it saying that this is, you know, basically wanting to be the nest, but adding no, I the just supernatural the element yeah. into well, it. And it's because the nest doesn't have a supernatural element, but it does have that. Or have this, yes. Like thriller elements yeah. in it. That makes you go, is there a supernatural element to it? Cause the house has its own personality and things well, the like dissolving that. relationship and, between the, the, yeah. the couple and sort of them also taking care of their daughter. And then the more you find out about uh, Norton's character, you're kind of like, well, this is a guy who literally, um, you know, like gets worse and worse as, as, as the film goes along. And that's what I mean by the comparisons to the nest when I was watching it. And I was just like, you know what? The nest is just a much better, you know, version of this movie. That's not necessarily doing the exact same thing, but is playing with the same themes of like, you know, a domestic drama with kind of, you know, a Gothic kind of elements in the, in the house that they move to and a husband that's not necessarily completely truthful with, uh, with his wife and like just kind of the relationship between a husband and wife and how it's falling apart. And then using that within the, you know, them moving to this new home and weird things happening. So like while I was watching it, I was like, fuck it. It's so that this movie will probably get you know seen by millions because it's on netflix and something like the nest that has a lot more nuance to it and you know is a bit more of a slow burn and i mean this movie's pretty boring and feels like a hundred hours long even though it's only well, two yeah but um, it is two hours and and, yeah. and change in terms of its length and it doesn't need to be that long it really no. doesn't so and i don't need to spend this whole time just uh, comparing it to the net to the nest but i mean I just had, while I was watching it, I was like, man, the nest was so good in the way that it took, you know, a domestic drama and kind of put this kind of eerie, you know, element to it where you're not quite sure what's happening. And then that's why you're completely engaged with it and kind of taken aback by it with some great performances. And yes, off the top, we said Amanda Seyfried was just nominated for, you know, an Oscar and she's a great actress. And I really do like her. I think um, she's good think in this if, as well in terms yes. of what she's given to work with. And, yes. And how I, agree with I mean, that. she has such an expressive face when it comes to reacting to, you know, uh, the, the, the creaks and cracks and the sounds in this old house that that that's going on that i think do help in terms of get sort of a, a little bit of mileage um yeah. out of the the performance yeah I, I agree with that like i don't think she's the issue with the movie she's a more than capable actress and she does her best with you know what she's given um i just found like the movie was kind of all over the place in its pacing and and could never decide what quite what it wanted to be whether it wanted to be you know a supernatural you know, horror film or if it wanted to be a domestic drama. And then when it tried to kind of combine those things and allude to, you know, have them kind of all intertwined and things like that, I just felt like it didn't really work. It was neither a great domestic drama because it was pretty, you know, cliche ridden and just kind of generic and kind of like, okay, yeah, you know, white dude, you know, lying about stuff and and not being faithful to his wife and just it just felt very ahead in surface compared to yeah, other just very people. surface level and very surface level. And then when it came to the supernatural stuff, I feel like 
it was so few and far between because you tried to show these two different stories and, you know, the separation and, and the distance between a husband and wife. And she's dealing with the stuff, the supernatural stuff at the house. And, um, and that stuff just felt like there would be large gaps where nothing would happen. And then, you know, they get a little piece of something here. And I don't know, it just felt like a movie I've seen a million times before. And I know I hate using that because i guess i we you probably use it too much in me personally in in reviews and things like that but i mean it's it, it is what it is it's like i'm watching this movie it's like okay a couple moves to a creepy house and creepy things are about to happen and then you're like okay they're having marital problems and that kind of plays out exactly as you'd expect it and then that and then that you know creepy family lived here someone died there and now creepy things are happening at the house i'm like i've seen this Eight million times, and it also take didn't the nest take place in the eighties as well? Yeah, but it took um, place in the late eighties, where this takes yeah. place in the late seventies, early eighties, because it it, yeah, it but, starts in seventy nine and sure. kind of well, it it actually starts in in the winter of eighty, but then it goes back uh, about yeah. half a year. So, so yeah, I, I feel like. I don't know. Like the, to me, that's why I kept going back to the nest and going the nest. Everything that this movie is trying to say, I feel like the nest is saying and does it in a more nuanced, interesting, stylish uh, kind of way. And um, and that's what I kept going back to. So like my my one thing would be like, if you want to see a movie that kind of doesn't necessarily blatantly play in the supernatural at all, um, but does deal with the history of a house and moving to this big house and, and a family and- And also and the relationship and, between the husband and wife and the husband yeah, kind of being- and the kids and- Feeling inadequate and also wanting yeah. to- sort of be the breadwinner and, and exactly. sort of uprooting the family. And, and there are a lot of things there that kind of align that like, yes, it's not a one-to-one comparison, but that's what my mind kept going back to. Yeah. Like you could add a supernatural element into the nest. It feels like, like, you know, if you were to insert some sort of ghost story subplot, it would fit thematically into what was going on around the rest of the story, even though it works without it, because obviously it's a great just drama, but it still has that kind of tonally eerie kind of quality to it and atmosphere that, uh, you know, atmosphere is a, a, a perfect word. Yeah. Ghost story has this, I think looks nice. Um, the performance from Seafred is, is, is strong, even though weirdly she did something kind of similar last year with, uh, you should have left with Kevin Bacon where she right. uh, gets married to Kevin Bacon and has a daughter and they move Did to this I house that? <laughs> that's kind of uh, basically like a leaves of grass kind of situation or house of leaves situation where it's like basically the house is possibly haunted. Um, so she, she seems to have an interest in, in sort of haunted houses, but it also, I mean like another movie that's more recent it, um, that came out last year as well that, um, I think more people should check out that has some qualities that are similar to this is the uh, Shirley Jackson biopic with Elizabeth Moss directed by Josephine Decker, where you have this kind of like eerie murder mystery going on sort of like this, this campus and Shirley Jackson, who's, you know, trying to come up with her latest novel kind of invites this young academic and his, his new wife uh, to stay with her and, her partner played by Michael Stuhlbarg and there's sort of like this weird kind of creepy sort of almost not incestual, but like they, it feels almost like the relationships are going to be intertwined in some way. And it kind of sort of boils to this kind of moment of, of, 
of tension and like you kind of feel like there's something else that could be possibly going on that's creepy and then obviously there's comparisons to movies like what lies beneath the the robert zemeckis movie with uh harrison ford and michelle pfeiffer where again like the harrison ford character is not exactly what he seems to be and sort of like you learn of um sort of the backstory of the house that they're in and then even you know the amityville movie the first amityville film where like you know the the one of the ghosts in this predicament is influencing the husband and sort of ask or telling him to kind of give in to his impulses. Um, but even there's a lot of like David Lynch stuff here. I mean, again, yeah, I was going to bring that with up like too, yeah. the ring. As soon as she finds this ring and puts it on and starts wearing it, you can't help but think of the ring in Twin Peaks because as soon as that ring is is kind of presented, it, it brings not only an ominous vibe like but visions a threat and, of of yeah. of potential harm and where this movie leads you know the ring is symbolic of sort of you know spousal abuse and violence so um it's hard not to think of those things as well it's just not as weird or as interesting but again like i think it's fine for what it is i just don't think it's as good as everything we already just mentioned in terms of in comparison to it maybe with the exception of uh the first amityville movie which is not a a good film in any means whatsoever it just reminded me a little bit of that where it's like you know the the people in the home are hearing voices you know the 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 shot of the rocking chair in the daughter's room in this movie is also very similar to like when the ghost uh Jody is haunting uh, the kids in Amityville is 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 kind of similar, but there's more of this weird like sophistication to this movie where it, like it wants to be a supernatural thriller, and I think I was into it at least two thirds of the way through, and then when it gets to the last act and kind of reveals its kind of final sort of deck of cards that it's playing with. Um, it kind of lost me because I think it gets a little silly in those last 10, 15 it's, minutes. It, it plays out exactly how many of these movies play out that you just yeah. mentioned as well yeah. as, and well, that's what I go back to as well like, with George C. Scott, where like that movie is a ghost story, but it's also centered around sort of this murder mystery that was never really resolved. Um, and that's kind of what this feels like as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't have, much else to say like i always like seeing f murray abraham um show up um i just like that guy but like the whole subplot <clears throat> with the husband at the school and and natalia dyer's character and, and reese horn who i really like on better call saul i think she's excellent um i just feel like that's where the movie just felt disjointed to me because you kept jumping between his story at this school and them trying the mystery of like is he really who he says he is and like and, and kind of his you know the adultery uh, and stuff adultery like that. but also even like that. on her side with the cousin who's right. related to the Natalie uh, Natalia Dyer character. Like it just kind of feels very like that's the most kind of convenient, convenient. And, and, yeah, sort of, but, uh, and they have a relate structure. Is that a spoiler? If I talk about the other thing, but like what, what other um, thing? That their connection to the house like that's what i mean by right. like the convenience of it all it just seems i guess you could say silly. it's a small town and like yeah i mean that's the, i guess the, but. but but i know what you mean like it feels like everything it's just it is just too convenient to have all the characters in place that everything has a connection or is a reference or even the stuff with like you know there, there's stuff that's brought up early on with with norton who i think is actually kind of bland i think this movie would have been a little bit better if you had he somebody had that was lead. yeah or at least had some presence to him because because I don't know Norton too much out of 
um, you know, a couple of movies like Greta Gerwig's Little Women. He was in that ensemble and obviously not very memorable amongst, you know, a great cast. But then like he was the lead in in the remake of Flatliners. He's more so a theater guy than than anything else. Maybe he's great on stage. But I mean, I guess he's kind of fine in this kind of, you know, straight white man kind of like, you know, role. But like, I agree with you that he fits the role, but I didn't I just felt him kind of boring. Yeah, there's nothing really kind of interesting going on with him as as an actor. My mom, sorry, just cut you off. My mom just texted me, and I don't know if this is a spoiler for Invincible, but she's just like, my mom just texted me. So Invincible's dad is Space Hitler. Uh, very uh, out of context for anyone. Go watch Invincible. But, but still more uh, interesting and worth having a conversation about. Um, yeah, I mean, like overall, it, it kind of plays with, you know, the 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 horror genre, um, the thriller genre, the domestic drama. It, and, you know, you've kind of seen it before. I, again, I didn't hate it. I think yeah. that, like there are some moments in there. Like I, the, the directing duo here also did um, American Splendor, which um, was a while ago now, but with Paul Giamatti. And it's interesting that those two filmmakers have done like a lot of eclectic work, whether, you know, it, it, it actually kind of backfires on them or not. I mean, they also did that horrible Scarlett Johansson adaptation of The Nanny um, with Chris Evans and like. Um, yeah. It, the Nanny Diaries. Yeah. And. It's one of those movies where you're just kind of like, okay, like on paper again, I see like why like they would do this, but then ultimately it just doesn't work. And it's very similar here where like on paper, it's like, okay, cool. You have this kind of like gothic neo-noir that takes place in the late 70s, early 80s. It's period specific. So you don't have to worry about like, you know, having the character necessarily be aware of the house right away. Because like I feel like the history of your home is something that people now in contemporary life would look up online five seconds before even going to do like, you know, a, a, an open house or something like that. And sort of to keep the mystery re- sort of hidden of, of the house for so long from, you know, the Seyfried character, the Seyfried character's point of view, it just to me feels like, okay, well, we get that there's something horrible that happened in this house. Why hide that fact for so long in the movie? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't think it's awful either. Like it's totally fine, but I think it's big. My biggest thing is just like all the things we said of the comparisons to other movies and other movies that have done either a section of this better or the entire thing better. Um, and I know you just got to, you know, judge a movie off of it. It's what it is, but I mean, it's hard not to compare it to these other things, especially when, that's where your brain keeps going to when you're watching it of just being like, okay, I've seen this done way better in X movie, or I've done this better in this movie or not even done better, but just done before. And yeah, I think that's the biggest sin. And, and for me, the length that, you know, I'm fine with horror movies or, or thrillers being two hours long, but, um, I just felt like I honestly checked the time and there was still 40 minutes left. And I'm like, I could have sworn I've been watching this movie for two and a half hours already. Yeah. I'm like, it just felt really, really, really long. And, and I think just being so disjointed of, of needing to hone in on either if it wanted to be this supernatural horror movie or be this domestic drama or then tighten up those or make them even more intertwined. It just, I don't know. I felt like two separate movies I was watching. Um, that didn't really come together to amount to anything. And 
Um, I don't think it's awful, um, but I think I really didn't like it because of that. And I'm going to give it a, a one and a half. Um, I'm going to give it a two and a half. And the other thing that I, I, I'll comment on as well that I think that this movie has or it's trying to present a social commentary, not only on sort of the the waspy culture of, of sort of affluent white uh, communities that are kind of isolated from the rest of the world, but even like in sort of like it's poetry and sort of talking about like, you know, there's there's this scene where Norton talks about uh you know, the Eagles Hotel California and, you know, we create our own prisons and stuff like that. And it just kind of feels like it, it, it feels, you know, above not only the material, but it's saying something important or interesting about sort of character dynamics in the world that we create for ourselves are our own prisons. And it's just kind of like, yeah, this movie doesn't really kind of earn that the way that I think, no. again, like the nest does or you know, anything that we kind of just reference basically throughout this entire review, which it yeah. just kind of makes you think back to, it's like, this will be one of those movies. If you do remember it, it'll be like, Oh, that'll, that was that weird. Like it, it's almost, it's a better film than the little stranger, but I feel like the little stranger was a movie that was doing something very similar to this where it's like, it wanted to be a ghost story, but it also was kind of so interested in, the thriller aspects of the character with uh, Donald Gleason. Remember the film with, with him and, and, and Ruth Wilson where like, it yeah, just couldn't I make barely a... remember it. Yeah, yeah. Cause it was the follow-up to um, Lenny Abramson who did uh room. Right. And it was, oh, it was right. Right. Yeah. Right, and it was right. kind of like this weird ghost story that was also trying to borrow a little bit from Patricia uh, Highsmith as well, but it just kind of never really found its footing. Definitely watched it and don't remember it, which is exactly what I'm going to think about this movie in, in, in three years or a year. Yeah. Like at the end of the year, I'm going to go, Oh yeah, I did watch that. Like you mentioned um, the movie she did with Kevin Bacon. And I'm like, did I watch that? And then I can, I don't think I did, but right. um, this will be one of those movies in a couple of years where I'm like, did I see that? Will we get um, an, Will we get another one next year with her? That that's the, yeah, that's the real question. Complete. I always the, like seeing uh, like I, we've, we've talked about this before, but I always like seeing her in movies. She has a eclectic taste when it comes to what projects she's she's working on, and like I understand why she picks something like this. You know, even though again thematically it almost falls into uh the the Blumhouse Kevin Bacon movie she did as well but like I I appreciate that she's not just picking like you know uh big studio movies that she's working oh, yeah, with people totally. like Paul Schrader and you know David Lynch and David Fincher and things like that so you know more power to her and I hope she continues to pick stuff that kind of is is a little bit off the 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 beaten path so to speak Absolutely agreed. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, if you like this, we have a couple uh, more reviews we would love for you guys to go check out. You can go check out our review for Tom Clancy's Without Remorse, which is up right now, as well as our review for uh, The Mitchells versus The Machines, also a Netflix film, um, both available to stream right now. Uh, spoiler alert, Mitchells versus The Machines is worth very much worth your time. Uh, not like this movie. Uh, so if you're going to choose something to watch on Netflix this weekend, please go watch that. Um, as well as a slew of other things, um, go check out Untitled Movie Reviews. If you'd be so kind, uh, drop us a review for Untitled Movie Reviews. Um, it would really help us out. It helps us get in front of more ears and kind of helps us uh, moving into uh, 2022. Love getting um, in front of those ears. <laughs> love it. And then... Um, 
uh, follow us on all those social medias at Untitled underscore cast. Uh, we have another podcast we'd love for you guys to go uh, subscribe to. It's called Untitled Movie Podcast. It's a little bit more free-flowing, a little bit more long-form. Eric and I just talking about what we've been watching lately that we're not reviewing, um, as well as uh, you know what's going on in the entertainment industry for news and a lot of TV shows that we've been watching that we don't officially review uh, and things like that. So go check out that as well. Uh, our recent episode, we did a uh, long you know, reaction to the, um, Academy Awards. So the whole episode was dedicated to that. So go check that out. It was our 89th or 90th, 90th draft. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, yeah. I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> we just keep pumping them out. We'll, we'll yeah. keep doing them, but like, you know, we'll, we'll remember the, the hundredth episode, but you exactly. Know. Um, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. And you can follow me on all the social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric March, and you can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Alpacas take a nap? Weird.